Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with News Data's Clearing Up, and with me is my co-host, editor of News Data's California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. We're here with some of our top stories this week. First, Jason, how are you doing? Doing great, Dan. It's nice to be here with you. Busy Monday. We're getting into our week. Yep. We've got a lot for listeners this week. First, Southwest Power Pool is bringing its market proposal to the West and sees a possible path one day to a full regional transmission organization, growing rift between public power in the Northwest and the White House, and Northwest states looking to jump on the California bandwagon to banning gas-powered cars. Jason, what do you have for us? Well, I want to talk about hydrogen today, a new star fuel for the federal government, seeing a lot of development in California, other Western states, but running up uh, against an environmental group. And then Salt River Project Board, some kind of intrigue down there where uh, they censored four of their members, stripped them of committee assignments. Some say this is retaliation for opposing the gas repowering project at the Coolidge plant, which has been very controversial. So we'll dig into that a little bit. We've got a webinar coming up. Microgrids in California, Opportunities and Challenges for the Energy Sector, Wednesday, October 19th, 10 a.m. We've got a great lineup of speakers. I think it's going to be a really good event. You can find out more at newsdata.com forward slash C-O-N-F for conference. Definitely check it out. So I sat down last week with Bruce Rue from Southwest Power Pool. He's one of the execs who's really taken the lead over the past few years as SPP puts together its Markets Plus proposal for the West. It's a day ahead market with an imbalanced market as well. And SPP is in competition right now with Kaiso, which runs California's energy market. They're both trying to bring day ahead and imbalanced market proposals to the West, which right now it's kind of a balkanized bilateral yeah. market. So trying to find some new efficiencies here. And the interesting thing, I mean, SPP is a big believer, as you would expect, in the value of RTOs, regional transmission organizations, which is what they run east of the Rockies. And they see Markets Plus as a valuable proposal in and of itself, the day ahead and imbalanced markets. But this also could be, as they see it, really a step towards bringing an RTO to the West, which is something like a holy grail in the Western interconnection for at least market proponents, which is a growing chorus, a growing number of people. And fascinating conversation. I'm going to have actually a podcast coming up of just the interview. So people should definitely check that out. But, uh, you know, this idea of using this Markets Plus as a potential pathway to a full RTO, it's not just a theoretical idea. SPP is actually doing something like that right now already in the Western interconnection. It's got a small imbalance market that it started last year, the Western Energy Imbalance Service. And it's got a handful of utilities in in Colorado and that kind of central mountain area. SPP has given them terms and conditions to joining its RTO. Uh, They've got until March 1st to accept or pass, or yeah, it could be the beginning of uh, the West's move to a fully integrated energy market. Yeah, of course, a lot of talk about this, as you said, and I think people recognizing the efficiencies, particularly with all the renewables coming online. And then, yeah, SPP has this effort. Kaiso, of course, has the EIM, which is huge. And they are bringing the day ahead market across that. And we're going to be doing a longer podcast on this, but uh, sort of these two opposing efforts. You know, Kaiso is always run up against the 
opposition within the state from labor groups and environmental groups to expanding the RTO worries of losing control over planning. So yeah, this is uh, central to uh, the market discussion in the West right now, for sure. Yeah, I've, I've, I have to say it's been a pleasure collaborating on the coverage of this issue because it's something that really expands yeah. both of our coverage footprint at working with you and Abigail, your, one of your reporters. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, yeah, uh, listeners, check out where the three of us are actually sitting down tomorrow to talk about some of this on an up, for an upcoming podcast. We'll have a longer, in-depth conversation about these competing CAISO and SPP proposals. And then I'll also have uh, my interview with Bruce Rue coming out. So lots of great, interesting content to keep an eye out for. Excellent. Yeah. Hydrogen. 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 Let's move on to hydrogen. I uh, was really looking at the situation down in Los Angeles. Um, There's a repowering project of the 830 megawatt scattergood gas plant. Los Angeles Department of Water and Power has already approved an $800 million plan to repower this plant with hydrogen. It's part of the LA zero emissions uh, project that they have on going on down there. And then we have billions of dollars at the federal level coming in from the bipartisan infrastructure law, $8 billion in federal funding for hydrogen hubs. And California has already put together an effort to pursue that money as well as other Western states. Uh, the governors of Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming announced their hub efforts. So yeah, the focus of my bottom lines column is the tension here between this Food and Water Watch in particular opposing this project saying, um, you know, if you mix gas and hydrogen, I think it's yeah, 70% hydrogen, 30% gas. It has about the CO2 equivalent of a gas-fired plant. Uh, where there's less CO2 if you're burning 100% hydrogen. But they're also worried about climate impacts, uh, new infrastructure that has to be built, leaky pipelines. and uh, So, yep, billions of dollars flowing in, states enthusiastic about it, but running into problems. Sierra Club, a little bit more nuanced. Um, they support green hydrogen made through electrolysis, but only if it's not used to keep existing polluting power plants operating which I think the Coolidge plant would fall into that category in their estimation. So, yep, uh, the bottom line's on that, and we'll see what happens. This project needs to be approved by the LA City Council, and that's where Food and Water Watch has taken their opposition effort. But yeah, we'll be uh, I'm hydrogen coming into the topic a lot more in our publication, I've noticed. Yeah, likewise up here, there's a lot of efforts to turn the Northwest into a hub for producing clean hydrogen, given mm-hmm. how much uh, using hydroelectric power here to make clean hydrogen, which otherwise is very carbon intensive to produce. Yes, um, but, I've noticed that. And then we're not even getting into the transportation angle. You know, there's a whole uh, industry developing around that for hydrogen yeah. powered cars. Yeah, there's a few hydrogen refueling stations up here. Yeah, but not many. Nope. Well, you might see more. Eight billion, not insignificant, coming from the Biden administration or actually congressional legislation. Relations are deteriorating between the White House and Northwest Public Power, just as the two groups are trying to solve some major challenges facing the Northwest and the industry. The White House wants to use BPA surplus money that could 
be in the hundreds of millions of dollars uh, for, among other things, possible mitigation work for salmon species along in the Columbia River Basin, which uh, a move which the Public Power Council, which represents about 85% of the publicly owned power utilities in the Northwest, the Public Power Council vehemently opposes uh, taking this money for the White House's move to take this money. They want the money to go back to ratepayers. The growing rift between the two sides threatens to resume long-running litigation between public power and the federal government over management of the federal hydropower system in the Northwest, and also threatens the uh, you know, having a united front on the negotiations of the Columbia River Treaty with Canada, which has huge impacts on how the Columbia system, river system is managed. That's the energy that Bonneville Power Administration retails. So it has huge implications, not just for the Northwest, but indirectly for the West as a whole. Yeah, I see this uh, interim compromise uh, that might be ended was paused nearly 21 years of litigation. That's quite remarkable. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah, but this, this uh, split could put that uh, back in play. Looks that way. That's coverage from Steve Ernst in Clearing Up. You've got some intrigue down in Arizona with the Salt River Project. Yeah, we've been covering this situation for a while. Salt River Project wanted to add, um, let's see, 820 megawatts, 16 peaking units at their Coolidge plant. was soundly rejected by the Arizona Corporation Commission um, and... SRP has since filed a complaint. Maricopa Superior Court requesting the commission transmit its record on the matter to the court. Um, so they're fighting it. This has been a big deal. Uh, SRP really saying we really need this gas capacity, but running into opposition, of course. And what happened? Let's see. At October third meeting, SRP District Board of Directors voted to censure four of its members, strip them of committee assignments. These members, uh, what SRP said during the course of a formal ACC proceeding without the authorization or knowledge of the SRP board, coordinated with the Sierra Club to prepare a letter to the ACC. The statement maintains this letter was ghostwritten by the Sierra Club and underscores opposition to the board's pursuit of project approval. Uh, SRP really pushing for this project, saying they're going to have reliability problems in 2024 if it's not allowed. So, yep, um, a legal morass down there. Now a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you would call this, intrigue at the board level. And uh, Sierra Club rallied outside SRP headquarters during the meeting to advocate for an alternative resource plan for those units. Um, so, yep, complicated. That's coverage from Abigail Sawyer. And we'll be covering this as it continues. Yeah. Uh, Abigail did a great job of making a very complicated issue. Yes. Less complicated for us. And speaking of great coverage, so our newest reporter, Greg Mason, had a great story this past week about how Washington and Oregon are looking to jump on the ban of banning gas-powered vehicles. So the two states are looking to adopt California emission standards that will restrict or ban uh, gas-powered passenger cars, light-duty vehicles, light-duty trucks, and SUVs by 2035. And the two states are hoping to adopt those regulations by the end of the year and get oh. that moving. 
both states are really interested in moving quickly on this and not delaying. And so we could start to see a real shift here as you know, if more and more states get on board, it wouldn't be the first time that California led the way in changes uh, in the auto market. Oh, absolutely. So certainly something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I did confirm, by the way, that Virginia also is tied to carb regulations. So the same regulation there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out politically. California, very different from Virginia. Washington, also a little different. But I assume there's support for this up there. It's a huge, you know, this is the most significant change to automobile or transportation regulation since, you know, we really started using cars, right? I don't think that's a yeah, exaggeration. Yeah, the, the polling that has been done up here, it shows pretty broad support for it, similar to levels in California, which is not overwhelming. Uh, and I'm having to go back a few yeah. months from the last time I wrote about this. But you know, a significant number in favor of eventually banning sales of gas-powered vehicles. So uh, certainly... Yeah. Yeah, wide support in it. Uh, not a done deal, but wide support for it. Yeah, and at least you have a lot of hydro up there. We're down here. You know, the grid problems we're having doesn't uh, help politically selling these plans. Um, so different in every situation, each state. But yeah, this is appears to be the way the future is headed. Indeed. And we have to... Unfortunately, leave today on a on a sad note. We want to take a moment to just uh, remember and pass on uh, really sad news: the passing of Therese Hampton, former head of the Public Generating Pool, somebody who Jason and I have spent hours probably talking to over the years. Just mm-hmm. a great, great woman. Uh, always happy to talk to her. Really interesting. Just a longtime leading voice in the industry. She uh, recently passed away after a tragic bike accident uh, in Utah. She was only 55, uh, leaves, you know, survived by her daughter and husband. But she is a, a voice that certainly uh, will be missed. Absolutely. Very sad news. We were just joking around Public Power Underground a few months ago, and uh, our thoughts are with her family and friends. And yeah, very sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great episode that she was on just a few months ago. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, I've seen her at countless conferences and I've quoted her many times. So, yeah, just quite shocking. And uh, she's left quite an impression on the people of the West. Indeed. Well, uh, I guess hopefully we will have more visionaries and uh, dedicated people like her. Coming into the industry, as we certainly certainly need as many Therese Hamptons as we can get. So Absolutely. that's all from me, Dan Catchpole. Thank you for listening, and please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Energy West is edited and produced by our colleagues at Pioneer Utility Resources and Lucky Sound Studios. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at dcatchpole. I'm also on Twitter at Fordney Energy. And then you also have at CEM News Data. You can read more of our content at newsdata.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow.